Hey everybody, what would you do if you had a signature talk that could sell you thousands of dollars, if not hundreds of thousands of dollars, from the stage? Well, today's guest is my coach and mentor, Iman Khan of Red Elephant, and that's exactly what he's been teaching his clients and helping other people produce events for, is to sell from the stage and create massive impact. On our show, I can't even describe everything that we talk about today. It's such a content-rich episode. You just have to listen now. My name is Emmy Kirshner. I'm a serial entrepreneur and investor. The one thing that I get asked all the time is, how do you achieve success in business and make an impact? In each episode of the Tribe of Leaders podcast, you'll hear from entrepreneurs and visionaries who share how their leadership has changed not only their lives, but the lives of everybody around them. Hey everybody, I'm Amy Kirshner, and today I have the pleasure of having Iman Khan on the show today. Hey everybody. Hey. Um, Aman is my coach, mentor, friend, and um, I'm going to just let you introduce yourself and who you are and what you do and all the amazingness that you create as a leader. So um, take it sure. away. Uh, Emmy does know, because I've worked with her for so long now, that I love to talk about myself sometimes. So <laughs> I appreciate the opportunity to do my own intro. Uh, like Emmy said, my name is Iman Khan. I'm one of the co-owners of a company called Red Elephant. For about eight years now, we've been helping entrepreneurs, mostly coaches and the related business owners that serve the coaching industry, um, serve their clientele better. And we do that through really training them in how to create an impact, how to monetize what it is that their mission is, and how to uh, speak from the stage, how to be in front of people, be more seen, be more visible. And we do this through different training programs, masterminds, group coaching programs, Mm -hmm. and events. We lead many, many transformational events throughout the year. Yeah, and I've been a part of your events. They're awesome, they're super fun. Um, And I think everybody walks away with major takeaways. Thank you. You're welcome. You're welcome. So definitely check out um, your website and we'll put links in at the end um, so that everybody can connect with you and whatnot. But share with us like how you get started because what I love about your journey is that you kind of started with one thing and you've ended up with a completely different animal of a business that is far more impactful. Yeah. uh, We started in the event production side of Uh, business. And what I mean by that is I was still working a corporate job. And after about a year of raising our newborn baby, my wife was supposed to go back to work. She made more money than I did. So she was supposed to go back to work. And we were supposed to stop living off of ramen noodles. And she came to me one day and she said, I can't go back to work. I have to start my own thing. I've been wanting to start my own business my whole life. And it's just time to do it. Of course, I flipped out because you know, in my head, ramen noodles were supposed to end at the 12 month mark and we were already at like the 14 month mark. So I was not really gracious with her, but I gave her an ultimatum saying, you have to have your first client by the end of the week. Now my wife, and Emmy knows my wife, but you can't challenge my wife to anything because when you do, she always meets the challenge. And of course she had our first client by the end of the week. And uh, 
she became an event planner and her acupuncturist needed someone to plan their wedding. Mm -hmm. So she kind of just fell into becoming an event planner when she was sharing with another one of our friends about this. He had just started a branding agency and he said, Afreen, why don't you plan my first event for my branding agency? I'm going to do a launch party. And that launch party turned into a seminar. That seminar turned into uh, a little over $120,000 made from a one-day seminar. And that client, who was our friend, re-signed us for eight more events over the, last, over the next two years. So we quickly got out of wedding planning, and we quickly dove into uh, helping entrepreneurs create events that make an impact and events where they can sell and make, you know, almost, he made a year's worth of income in a day. So everybody kind of saw his success. He got big really fast and people would just ask him, how did you do that? And he was gracious and generous enough in those first several years to just point anyone who asked him in our direction. And most of our business in those first few years came from him as a referral. And then We got into those networks, joined some of our own masterminds. And then what started to happen shortly thereafter was everyone was coming out of the woodworks. Everyone wanted to do an event. Everyone wanted to make money this way. But we quickly realized that he had a skill set in being able to speak in front of the room and really move and then monetize his audience Mm -hmm. in a way that which most people who are coming to us couldn't do. So I hate turning away money. I hate. (laughs) Does anybody? (laughs) I hate turning away money so much that when we were turning away all this business, because we couldn't look people in the face and say, yes, you'll make that kind of money. Because we could just tell from their ability to lead and be in front of people or from their ability to sell. Like if if they'd never sold anything before, how are they going to stand in front of 100 people and make really high ticket offers? So I got tired of turning those people away. And I said to my wife, I said, we got to create some sort of program that trains speakers to be able to sell from the stage. Mm-hmm. So then that's what we did. And then that program grew so big and so many people wanted to be in that program. And it just, every year, I mean, I think the first year we had 22 people in the program. The second year we had 58. Right. But it just kept getting bigger. And then we developed different levels of that program. And eventually we stopped producing events except for a handful of clients each year who we're just probably going to always say yes to. Right. Uh, I refer to those as my fun clients because... Yeah. Well, because we love doing it for them. We, right. And you've know, worked with them forever and... And we'll just never stop. Yeah. Um, since then, we've retired the speaker training program, the year-long program, and we still teach speaking workshops. And now we figured out a way to sort of get the same job done in two days plus some follow-up and now most of our group programs or masterminds are all for business owners who they can be new to the game or they can be well seasoned in the game but Mm -hmm. what they're new to is having their business having their message having their why which got them into business in the first place make the impact they're intending to make in the world and fortunately for us we've had great mentorship we've had great partners we've been part of great masterminds and we were fortunate enough to be able to have our business do just that impact lives impact other businesses impact people and uh actually start to make a change in the world and so we know with the way consciousness is moving and Mm -hmm. the way the world is headed that that's what people really want so now our business is almost 100 percent focused on 
helping people make that impact, whether right. it's through a coaching program, an event, a mastermind, however we deliver the service, the point of the service is to forward whatever impact you want to make in the world. And I mean, I know how you, you do that because you and Afreen are both like magic. Um, when you, you're do, like magic too, Emmy. Well, thank you. Thank you. But when you're on a stage, like you have a really easy time connecting with the audience and getting them excited to get uncomfortable. And yeah. I think that takes a really special person. So talk about your leadership for a few minutes and like you're both very driven and, and purpose driven because you're so passionate sure. about helping everybody. Um, what, you know, what is it that led you to that and how can other people mirror that? Um, I think, you know, Afreen and I were both children of Bangladeshi immigrants. Our parents came here in the early 70s and they were the only families here from that country for a long time. So they sort of carried the mantle of all the progress that needed to happen back home, all the people that needed to be put through right. school and education and all the homes that needed to be built and all the social programming that our parents did. And it was a lot, you know, our parents were socially very conscious and very active. So in a particular way, we didn't really have a choice about it. It was kind of just the air we breathed. You know what I mean? Like it's what we saw our whole lives growing up and I don't think either of us had a question uh, while we were growing up. We grew up together. We were best friends our whole lives. And then uh, in our late 20s, we decided to give romance a try. That's a story for another time. But okay, so that's a whole other podcast. That's a whole other podcast. <laughs> but uh, I think what happened is that we just always knew we were going to have whatever we did, whether we worked a job, had our own business, we were going to have it make a difference for people um, because of where we come from and who raised us and who we were born to. Now, that having been said, when you referenced being on stage, you know, when I'm on stage and I'm in an interaction with another business owner or a participant at one of my events, the approach I take as it pertains to my leadership is I've got to do and sort out whatever I have to do and sort out to make sure that they get what they came for. Okay. Even if it gets uncomfortable especially when it gets uncomfortable. Because as you and I both know, in conversations dealing with people uh, being in business and dealing with their leadership, there's a lot of uncomfortable emotional spaces that people have to move through and that people get into. And in those moments, it's much easier to quit or say something to alleviate the pressure of the discomfort. And when you do, essentially what you're doing is you're passing on whatever opportunity for a breakthrough or uh, a really useful insight was available to them right so i always have that top of mind like what what do i have to do to make sure that this person gets what they came for and, and their life gets impacted the way they were intending in this interaction with me right. do you have a process that you do to get yourself ready because it, it's really easy. And I've seen you on stage with like 103 degree fever, the flu, you have. It feels so present, right? Because you're so determined to help people and open them up and have the insight and, and yeah. the place. So do you have like a practice that you do? Uh, I'm gonna answer your question in two ways, okay? <laughs> uh, I've been leading events now, first with my former company and then with our company for about 15 years. Right. And I've led to about probably close to 20,000 people or so at this point. 
So in the beginning, I did have a process. So in the beginning, I always had someone who I could call before I went up on stage mm-hmm. who would just let me talk and outflow and get all my concerns and nervousness and anxiety out. And I would really experience being heard. And that person would then say whatever they needed to say to give me the confidence to get up on stage. And I probably employed that as a practice for about a good five years before I stopped doing it. Then I also have this practice of just to myself, I make up a story about who the people in the audience are before I walk onto that stage. I don't necessarily know who they are. At any given event that we lead, maybe I know 25% of the room because they're already clients or past clients. Usually the rest of the people are pretty new to me. Now, I don't know anything about them, but I walk out onto that stage relating to those people as very able, big, honorable people of integrity who can do really, really big things in the world if they can only get these blocks in front of them out of their way if they could only handle that one thing that they need to have handled so they can go express how big they are in the world. And that's the mindset I walk on the stage with. So when people say or do whatever it is that they say or do in these events, for me, all of it's taking place inside of, I'm committedly getting this person free of these blocks or whatever it is that they're dealing with so that they can go express how big I know they are in the world doesn't matter if they work with me or not. You right. know, often at an event, that's the only shot you have with people. You won't see them ever again. Right. So it, it's very true for me that I've got one shot and I got to do everything I can to make sure they have what they need to go impact the world because I may never see them again. Right. Which is huge too, because it's like you're carrying this giant bucket of like clearing space for them to dump their stuff in almost. Yeah. Um, and Imagine too, like if we all kind of held that space for each other, whether it's business or personal, where we could all kind of evolve to. Yeah, I mean, I think, I think one of the best things you can do for another human being is hear them. Mm-hmm. Like when people experience being heard and you honor whatever it is that they said to you, they will literally give you the world. They'll right. do kind of whatever you ask to the best of their ability and most people don't hear other people we're busy texting and you know doing something else waiting to talk most people like in an interaction when when they're in an interaction with someone else what's happening is as they're listening to what the other person's saying they're formulating their own thoughts Mm -hmm. the minute you start formulating your own thoughts you start waiting to be able to express your thoughts but if you're formulating thoughts and waiting to express thoughts, what you're not doing is listening. Right. right. So I just find that when you give that to people, the opportunity of being heard, they really do show up in a different way and they want to perform and they want to participate and they want to express themselves in a new and free way. Okay. I think that's amazing too. And such a, like an amazing leadership quality, just the being heard and the listening. Yeah. I think it's the most important leadership quality. Yeah, I agree. Cause you can't, you can't guide somebody or, or teach them or a lot of the other things that I think we attribute to leadership without the hearing. No, you can't. Yeah. Cause then our heads are going with whatever we're 
whatever dialogue we have. Yeah, I mean, I mean, I'm sure you've heard it too. People often feel, that in, especially in our industry, they feel like they were, you know, pigeonholed into a, a square when they're really a circle or a circle when they're really a, a square peg. Like they feel like whatever program or mastermind they, they participated in followed a certain template or a certain routine and it didn't really adjust to their business. Right. I assert that why that's happening is because the coaches leading those programs or selling those products aren't listening to their clients. Right. If they just took the time to listen, they would hear that, okay, the design of this mastermind may not work for this client. Exactly. And sometimes those small adjustments are huge. Huge. Yeah. Um, going kind of in a different vein, what's been your biggest challenge in growing your business? Um, money. Okay. You know, money is a challenge in business. So first there's the generating money, right? Right. And that, that we figured out pretty quickly. I've got a pretty extensive background in sales. And so selling for us was not a huge thing to overcome. We had to get used to selling in a different industry and what we needed to do. Right. And, you know, the emotional arcs and the psychology of the industry is a little bit different, but that we got used to. Then once you're selling and generating money, then, you know, the more money you have, the more problems you have. There's songs written about more money and more problems. <laughs> You know what I mean? Right. And then it's like, oh, I'm in a new tax bracket. Well, I wasn't planning for the new tax bracket. I'm still thinking I'm paying taxes from when I was making working a corporate job. Then it's like you have to pay taxes for employees and things. And right. then you have to hire all the, you know, the management of money and the management of cash flow. And then what do you do when a client doesn't pay? What do you do when a high paying client doesn't honor their contract? So money is a, definitely a challenge in running any business, even when they're surplus, what do you do with the surplus? How do you allocate it? What do you allocate it towards? What are the right investment decisions? Right, so right. money and the management of money and then dealing with your own stuff that you have about money and not getting that into the business, all that is pretty, pretty challenging and totally worth figuring out. Oh, yeah. But it's always something that you can never get your feet up on the desk about money. You got to be vigilant about it. You got to watch it. You got to tend to it and you got to really treat it with respect. Right. And did you fall into the trap that I know I have, um, you know, earlier in my, my journey and I see a lot of my clients too, where like, you're really not looking at it that much. It's like, well, I've got this much in the checking account, so I'm okay. Right to the second. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I can't say I did. Okay. Cause I'm like obsessive about every day. I check in, I check how much came in, how much went out. Like I'm pretty obsessive about that because, you know, for me, money, the, the numbers in the bank equal my reality. Okay. You know, how much money came in and how much went out and what that nets, that's the reality of the business. So if I'm not looking at it, I'm not really connected to what's really happening in the business. I'm probably connected to some interpretation I have of, something that's happening which isn't the actual thing that's happening right. and i you know me i like to deal in reality yeah i think dealing in reality is really powerful and i i think it's the access to actually uh creating and manifesting and implementing the things that you actually want so for me i didn't have that issue i did have the issue of especially in that in those first two years of okay there's not enough money and what do I need to do to go generate money? I mean, 
do not do this if you're listening, but year one of business, Capital One became my best friend. I opened like five different <laughs> Capital One cards to manage the negative cash flow we were experiencing, you know? So money is definitely a challenge and uh, the most confronting part about it, I think for most people, and the most challenging part about it, I should say, is confronting it. Right. It's so much easier to just ignore it today. For somebody so, who might be not in their reality of what their real money is looking like and their business, how can they start to take a step without having, I think, some of the fear or... Um, <laughs> well, a couple of things I'll say. First is when you go to the ATM machine, yeah. look at the little receipt of prints where it tells you the balance. <laughs> I cannot tell you how many people I see at ATM machines, they get their money, the receipt comes out and they don't look at it. I see them just crumble it and throw it. And I'm yeah. like, that's insane. How do you not look at it? So one thing you got to look at it and you, our practice is we look every day what went out and what came in. Okay. The second thing is you want to plan for money. Your plan of what you're doing daily in your business has to match the amount of money you both need and want to make. Mm -hmm. So if you need to make $5,000 this month and the amount of sales calls you have scheduled with whatever percentage conversion you're reliable for only equals $2,000, you're going to have a big problem. Right. You got to do that planning work based on how much money you need to bring in. Mm -hmm. And then the final thing I'll say is, I'm gonna say two more things, I lied. So one is, go you ahead. wanna figure, huh? Say go ahead. Okay, so <laughs> well, it'll be really quick. First thing is, you wanna figure out what your inherited relationship to money was. We all have one. Right. Mostly it comes from our parents, how our parents treated money and the things they said about money is the relationship to money that we inherited. So there are lots of money experts out there that can do that with you. You want to find one if you can't do it on your own and figure out what your money story is. That's really important. The second thing is you want to develop habits that empower you. Mm -hmm. There's a lot of experts out there that are going to tell you these are the right money habits and these are the right money habits. And some of those you just can't mess with. They are. You have to do them. But then there's also like money habits that empower you. Like some people, it really empowers them to set aside money for taxes. Like every, every cent that comes in, they set aside a portion of it to go to taxes. Right. Other people have a habit of setting aside money for savings. Set aside money for a slush fund. Everyone should have a slush fund, by the way. If you're in business and you don't have a slush fund, you got to get your sales to where you can have a slush fund. But you got to develop money habits that really empower you because the more empowered you are about money, the more you'll confront it, the more you'll look at it, the more you'll manage it successfully. And, you know, money, I'll just say this, I mean, money has really been like the biggest challenge for me. Like the way money ebbs and flows in business uh, I, I just was never used to, you know, I, I was fortunate enough to be in a family where we, my parents weren't wealthy by any means, but we always had what we needed right, and right. never had, we never had the ebb, you know, it right. always just kind of flowed. So right. in dealing with learning how to ebb in business has been really challenging. And if you're already someone who can't confront money that way, it's going to be even more challenging for you. Right. Right. So it's like learning to not plan or, or learning to plan for the the um, slow seasons. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Even learning how to pay, like, you know, the, the second event we ever did, we closed a lot. We closed like $600,000 from the stage. And a lot of that money came in the form of people paying in full. 
There was something in the air that year and people just paid in full. This is back in like 2013. And I was getting all these full payments and I was like, Shh, I'm rich. I'm going to go buy things and I'm going to pay myself and go do all these things that I haven't done in forever, right? Yeah. I didn't know at the time that what I should really do with a full pay is put it in a separate account and schedule how much of every it should come into my account every month. Yeah. So what I'm dealing with in the bank account is like considerate of the future. All of a sudden, like four months later, I was like, uh, why is there only like $2,000 in this account? <laughs> yeah, and I think, you know, we've all done that at some point, whether it's business or personal right. or whatever. But having that, that automatic plan of whether, you know, regardless of what type of account it is, having it automatically go to yeah. the tax account or the savings account and the slush fund account um, can really help take it, it out of your head as far as it's not in the checking account. Yeah, you just got to do it. so easy to be like, oh, there's money there. So sure, I can invest in that. Yeah, which is what we did. We bought like a $35,000 personal branding program. We bought a $50,000 mastermind. We bought like a $45,000 sponsorship. I mean, we weren't spending the money on like Ferragamo shoes. We right. were putting it back into the business, but not smartly. Right, right. That's, yeah. Well, thank you for sharing that. I think that's um, really important for everybody to hear. Yeah. You know, we can all up our money game, regardless of where you are in your journey. Absolutely. Yeah. Very cool. I'm going to circle back to, because we've talked about this a couple of times, and, um, and it's one of the themes that you talk about in your, um, or at least what it was, I think, the Speak to Impact that I attended the first time is getting uncomfortable. Mm -hmm. And that most people would rather be you know, lazy and be comfortable than to make change. Yeah. Afreed and I have written a book about this, and yeah. actually a little later on I'm going to tell you how to get that. But the name of the book is Most People Would Rather Be Comfortable Than Rich. Right. And really, you can fill any word you want to in place of rich. Right. Most people would rather be comfortable than happy. Most people would rather be comfortable than be great parents. It's like people were just acculturated at this era in humanity to seek out comfort. Mm -hmm. And we put a really high value on comfort. And I, I just don't think that's where progress is. Right. I think progress is on the other side of allowing yourself to get and remain uncomfortable, actually. Mm -hmm. So, like, you know, I have a nine-year-old son. In several years, we're going to have to start talking to him about very uncomfortable things. Sex, disease, wow. STIs, ST, you know, that whole world is coming down the pike pretty soon. Right. I can't talk to him about it once. And most parents will talk to their kids about things like that once or twice and hope that that one conversation did the job. Yeah, and that's not. And it won't. No. no and there's like a reason. Common, yeah. common dinner conversation when my guys were younger and in and, and their early teens. And it has to be. Yeah. You know, there's, I think, something like 70% of teens between the age of 19 and 22 acquire some sort of venereal disease. I'm sure. If parents would just increase their willingness to be uncomfortable with their kids more often, if not every day, mm -hmm. I would bet my life that that could be prevented, if not drastically lowered. Yeah, I, no, I agree. I mean, my situation as a single mom was I wanted to give my two you know, teens who were boys 
the opportunity to feel comfortable talking to me. And if I had only had the conversation once while they were sliding under the table, trying to hide from me, like it would be. <laughs> yeah, yeah, it wouldn't have turned out. Yeah. And you know, business owners are like this about sales. Yeah. Every business owner knows they have to do sales. Every business owner knows they should be doing sales every day, except it's so uncomfortable that it, the, when the little reminder pops up in their calendar to say, go do sales, they go work on their landing page. Mm -hmm. or they go clean out their CRM, or they go on social media and do a live or browse other people's profiles, anything to avoid the sales, yet they're saying they want to be wealthy, and they're saying they want to be rich and having a thriving business, but the discomfort of what a sales conversation uh, it makes them experience leads them to Facebook instead. Yeah, It's like this about health too. How often do you see people being proactive about their health? They wait till they have a heart attack or a stroke or something major happens for them to actually go about the business of transforming their Absolutely. health. I mean, I you know, started my business as a health coach and people were working with me because they had already tried all these other things that didn't work. Their doctors weren't able to help them as much as they wanted. And, you know, they, they didn't make the simple changes early enough. So yeah. they needed kind of the overall, the overhaul and, and health management. Yeah. Yeah, I totally agree with you. Like it's so, so much easier. So it is. And it really is most people, not by any fault of their own. It's just kind of the cultural context that we're born into. Most people just are striving to do the comfortable thing. And in many situations in life, whether that's parenting, health, business, uh, it's to their detriment. Yeah, absolutely. I love that. Thank you so much for sharing that. Because I think. Yeah, you're welcome. It's, it's so helpful. And you've given, I mean, so many different tips and, and things where people can really step into making a bigger impact as a leader in small little bite-sized chunks. So uh, thank you for that. Love to circle back, have, um, tell everybody about the book again and then where they can find that. Yeah. So the name of the book is most people would rather be comfortable than rich and we'll put the link below, but the link is to get the book. You just go to most people would rather be.com. Okay. And once you go there, you'll put in your information and then we'll get the book out to you. What I want to point out about the book, uh, I think it's a good read, at least that's what people tell me and they've been telling me for years. But the most valuable part of the book, I think for your listeners and me, is going to be towards the back of the book. In the back, there's a list of 100 actions they can take. And when we designed this list, we did it conscious of the fact that we're talking to leaders and that we want leaders to be fully expressed as leaders in the world. Mm -hmm. And if you take any of the actions listed in the back of this book, it's gonna clean out some cobwebby area part of your life, which will only increase your ability to be in the world as a leader. Right, I love, so read the back first, everybody. <laughs> and then go read the whole thing. So I know you have great content. Thank you. And also, where can everybody connect with you? Uh, you can connect with us through our website, which is redelephantinc.com, and we'll put that in the show notes, I'm hoping. Yeah. Or you can just email us. We love getting email, and if you email us, someone on my team, whether it's me or someone, uh, one of our assistants, we'll get on the phone with you always. And that's info at red, like the color, elephant like the animal, inc.com. Awesome. Well, thank you so much. I was really you know, glad to be able to hang out with you today and, and all that you shared. Thank you. I really appreciate the opportunity to speak in front of your listeners and uh, I just love hanging out with you anytime. So thank you. Same. We have to do it again. Definitely.
All right, Emmy, talk to you. Bye, and bye, everybody. Bye. thought about those times when if you had just known that one thing it would have saved you hundreds if not thousands of dollars or maybe days weeks or even months of your time i've created the tribe of leaders membership community for exactly that reason to give you the tools the resources and the support to make growing your business a snap as a member you'll have access to video training live monthly training and masterminds, and special co-working days that will help you run your business like the CEO that you are. You can get all the details at thetribeofleaders.com. See you there. <laughs>